ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet us. SF Diocese use the hashtag ignition. Again, the Twitter handle, SF Diocese use the hashtag ignition. Uh, as you may have noticed, I do not have my regular co-host, Father Andrew Dickinson, with us this week. Instead, I have my, I didn't use this last week, Emily, my illustrious guest co-host. Ooh la la. Illustrious guest co-host, Emily That sounds Hoffman. so special. I know. It's good to be back. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. So again, for those of you who didn't listen, maybe you've never heard Ignition before, just real quickly to briefly introduce ourselves. Um, again, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. So I try to help the priests, parishioners, and pastor, uh, priests, parishioners, and parishes of the Diocese of there Sioux Falls uh, gr- um, with resources and workshops and so on. Um, help them and their people grow closer to Jesus Christ and through his church. And you are? I'm Emily. Hi, Emily. I help coordinate a lot of the events for the diocese, um, including things like retreats or pilgrimages. Um, I get the great honor of of kind of doing the, the back-end work of those and then um, actually leading some of them as well, um, giving you know people of our diocese an opportunity for either conversion or ongoing formation. Um, you know, opportunities to really encounter Christ. Amen. And you do a, do a good job. Oh, thank you, boss. You are welcome. I said that publicly. Oh, I feel so honored. We, you know, affirmation is my love language. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, Chris, but I don't think affirmation is your love language sometimes. What? <laughs> it's actually a common joke in our office because, uh, you know, both of the, the men that I work with in my office are not naturally affirmers. Um, one in particular tries to be affirming because he does know that I um, really feel loved and appreciated and honored by that. But every time he gives me an affirmation, we just both laugh because it's awkward and he <laughs> it just it comes out <laughs> so strange. Uh, well, we try, so you can tweet trying. your affirmations. Tweet. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> just kidding. Don't do that. That'd be awesome. Somebody please do that. Oh my Gina, gosh. I know you're on Twitter, Gina. <laughs> Oh my goodness. People are going to be so ready to have Father Andrew back after these two weeks Where's in a row Dickinson? of too much, too much oh woman boy. in the studio. Wow. No, it's a nice, it's a breath of fresh air. Aw, oh, shucks. Just like Vatican II. Whoa. That Going was profound. Right that Speaking was of profound. Vatican II, this is really an incredible segue that I didn't plan whatsoever. But Vatican II Nailed was it. instrumental for John Paul II, who is the topic for this episode. Let's talk about the power of the papacy. The power of the papacy and the beauty of the papacy. And the beauty of the papacy. So we're recording this, first of all, on my birthday, but you're listening. Happy birthday well, to but, you. Well, yeah, but the listeners aren't, it's it's two weeks post facto. So the octave is even done by now. It's your birthday month, man. Not when they're listening to this. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so, but it, No birthday for you. <laughs> more importantly for Catholics in the United States than Chris Bergwald's birthday is the fact that as we're recording this today on the 23rd of September, Pope Francis is in Washington, D.C. 
Um, today, canonizing uh, Father Junipero Serra. I think I got that right. You nailed it. Sounded really good. Um, from originally from Spain, who who um, did so much to bring the, the 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 Christian faith to California. Cali. California. <laughs> yes, this is awkward <laughs> dead air. I'm looking to you. I thought you had another thought about that. I did, but it looked like you might want to jump oh, in. No, I just was impressed with how you pronounced California. Yeah. Oh. Um, but we thought that it would be a great idea to talk a little bit about um, our experience of the papacy, especially in light of um, Francis's visit to the United States. Um, you know, it, it it blows me away that this religion. <laughs> Sound effects, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Tim, you should edit some of those in here sometime. Can make really great sound effects. Tim's our awesome audio guy. Um, he's a, he's a, he, you know, he's a, uh, an engineer. He's brilliant. Yeah. Not surprised. So in light of um, Francis's visit to the United States, I okay, this, oh, this is what I going to say. What blows me away, insert Sorry. sound effect, is <laughs> the fact that um, the entire nation – Right. Is glued to their television or their television. <laughs> it sounded like an old, like, they're probably, like, glued to CNN Live or something. I don't know. On their TVs, Live stream maybe. on their computer. Sorry, sarcasm. Um, but anyways, I, I do think it's fascinating, though, that right. this really Pope Francis has, has kind of taken the world by storm. People have been labeling him the the Pope of the people. Um, which in our initial conversation when we were brainstorming what we wanted to talk about today, it kind of reminded us of John Paul II and what uh, people viewed him as, really the the Pope of the people. And I mean, now we have even more um, social media opportunities, media opportunities to see Pope Francis up close than we did even during John Paul's papacy. Right. But there's there's kind of this momentum almost that that seems to be yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you know, this is something. And, and last week we talked about, you know, we are talking about the church and, and the relationship between the Catholic Church and other Christian traditions. Um, this is, a, 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 a to me, the, the role of the Pope. I mean, even for, I mean, there, there are theologians, I mean, just as I, um, in my work, my formation, my study, just reading the, the, the writings of various uh, scholars of other Christian traditions and so mm-hmm. on, and the, the esteem that they have for, our various popes, whether it be, you know, just thinking the last three, John Paul II or Benedict XVI or now Francis, there are many thoughtful men and women belonging to other Christian traditions who have great respect and regard. Obviously, don't agree with everything that that our popes believe in um, because they're not Catholic. Um, these scholars, not mm-hmm, the popes. The mm-hmm, popes are Catholic. Mm-hmm. Just the, the popes are Catholic. I want to make I'm, sure. I'm still okay. With you. Good. Um, but it, it's it's striking how. Like, just naturally people look to the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, as sort of the leader of the church, even for people who aren't necessarily Catholic. Yeah, yeah. which is fascinating. But even, you know, as we were talking about this beforehand, um, we kind of have this idea, I think, as Catholics of the Pope. But for many of us, there's not really a personal uh relationship is not the right word, but a personal experience with the papacy. Right. But you um, have had that probably with, with uh, especially John Paul II and Benedict as well. But I, you know, talk a little bit about that. You yeah. have a personal experience with 
the seat of Peter. Right. Yeah. The chair so, of Peter. So I was, um, and I and I don't, I, I need to thank God for this more, but I was, I was truly blessed to be able to study in Rome for three years. So working on, um, eventually on my doctorate in theology, I, I studied in Rome for three years um, during the papacy, near the end, this is, I guess, 97 till 2000, um, the, the papacy of John Paul II, mm-hmm. the pontificate of John Paul II. So there were, I think the first time, uh, and I never went to World Youth Day, and and De- any of them, including Denver in '93, because at the time I was I was not um, a practicing Catholic, um, so it was after my reversion or conversion experience um, in 1994 uh, that I got excited, uh, probably for the first time in my life about my Catholic faith, mm. and I was really just at that time for me. Being a young man, um, early twenties, um, John Paul II was really an attractive figure. He's not the reason I, I reverted, I converted back to the faith, but he was definitely a reason. Mm-hmm. Almost um, a rallying yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, just he was, especially for me. My questions were very intellectual. Like, what do we believe as Catholics? Why do we believe them? And and John Paul II, as a philosopher, as an intellectual, um, as a theologian, uh, he the depth of the brilliance of his mind was attractive mm-hmm. to me, and then just the, the the power of his persona. I mean, just mm-hmm. you know, a, you know, just a, a very charismatic personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I I went to Rome, uh, visited Rome, and and I'm not going to go into all the details, but saw him once live. Uh, that would have been the fall of '97. That was a great experience. Saw him again. Then when I went to Rome. Um, got to just very briefly at the end of a mass as he was processing out of mass, got to shake his hand. And wow. I was just like, on cloud nine, like literally there's a, a Brazilian seminarian who lived in the same, the same men's housing complex that I lived in. And I, and he had been at the mass too, but I didn't see him until on this packed bus afterwards. And Emily, you've been, I mean, the buses like after oh, the crazy. papal events it's are crazy. like, you're crammed like sardines. And I saw Pedro, Pedro. And I was like, this is the hand that shook the Pope's hand. <laughs> yeah, and I was yeah. Like, um, in my very broken Italian, trying yeah. to have this conversation with the Brazilian. Um, <laughs> so that was that. But then my wife, Jermaine, and I, we got married December of 19, July 31st, 19, yeah, 1999. Um, and, and so my final year in Rome was our first year um, mm. as, as a newlywed couple. And so newlyweds uh, with JP2, we were able on Wednesdays after he, he when he had his audiences with people, People could come forward to receive. Certain people got to receive a, a personal blessing from mm-hmm. him. So newlywed couples were one of them. So Jermaine and I uh, were able to go forward, and you know, it was literally like 20, 30 seconds, but still shake his hand and receive a personal blessing from him. So we have a picture of of that, the two of us together, John Paul II. I remember the, sent this back to my small uh, small hometown newspaper um, to put in there, and people were like. Is that like photoshopped? <laughs> oh my gosh, hilarious! <laughs> no, this is we've really this met really the Pope. happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just just that that literally personal yeah uh, opportunity to 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 meet him even briefly, um, but then just him as the leader of the church during that for me very formative time in my life, my reversion and all the gifts that he had personally, all of them given to him by God, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, just really made a mark mm-hmm. on me. Uh, mm-hmm. And n- not just me. I mean, it, it's coming to hear about the John Paul II generation of priests. These are men who really discerned. And because 
I think the, the back, larger background for this is there was so much in our culture, Western society, the late 60s and 70s, so much turmoil and confusion where th- things that we took for granted were were thrown out hmm. just in culture in general. And that, that, that Im- impacted the church as well. A lot of confusion and really just like sadness, like lack of enthusiasm, lack of ex- excitement on the part of many Catholics about being Catholic. And John Paul II really reinvigorated that. Um, brought that excitement back about being Catholic. And and that excitement in the case of priests uh, and some young men, an old men, um, an excitement about the idea of serving God and his people as an ordained priest. Um, so they're called the JP2 generation right. of priests. Right. So he made such an impact. But that, but what's interesting to me, and you and I had a conversation several weeks ago um, it just it's it's still like I can't wrap this sounds silly. I can't wrap my mind around the fact that JP two did not play a similar role in your life mm-hmm. because of yeah because I'm yeah where I fly yeah 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 I um I think I told you this story but I distinctly remember I was I was very, pretty young when John Paul II passed away um, to the point where I wasn't really able to to engage or. Um, Especially wasn't you know particularly excited maybe about um, the Catholic faith at that time, right, right? And I remember being home with my mom and her telling me, "Emily, this is a historical event. You need to watch this." And it was the funeral of John Paul II right. live streaming on on the news. And um, you know, at that time, I, I knew who he was. I, I knew um, little things here and there, but I was probably in elementary school. Um, and I, I have that distinct memory of watching John Paul II's funeral. Right. But for me, I don't think I really had a experience with the Holy Father until actually I was in Rome as well, um, but with with Benedict the Sixteenth. Right. And I, it was the first time that I recognized this is my Pope. Right. You know, we kind of have that idea of of yes, the the Pope is the leader of the Catholic Church. He's um, and even Catholics that are, are not really practicing have kind of this like respect and allegiance to the yep, Pope, yep. if you have, you know yep, what I mean? Yep. Um, you know, I have several family friends that maybe are not daily mass goers, but they've been asking me, so what do you think about Francis's visit to, or Sunday mass goers? What do you think about Pope Francis's visit to the United States? What do you, you know, what do you think he's doing there? There's kind of this, you know, spark in them still um, of feeling this allegiance to the Holy Father. But it wasn't until um, I was in Rome and... We went to, the first time that I saw him, we went to um, one of his Wednesday audiences in, what's the hall, John? The, the Paul the Sixth audience hall. The Paul the Sixth audience hall. And uh, they introduced the different groups that are there. And I was with a group of students from the University of St. Thomas. And so we st- we stood up and sang him a song. And, you know, he, he nods along and is on the stage or whatever. And I don't know what made me do it. But after after we were done, everybody kind of sat down. And I realized that I was still standing. and I And I waved. And he went back at me and I was yeah. so excited. <laughs> and, um, but there was something about it. And like I said, it's forever etched in my, in my heart and in my memory. That was the first time that I had this profound experience of this is my Pope. This is the, the chair of Peter for the last 2000 years that is praying for me. Mm-hmm. He is my Holy Father mm-hmm. and he is my, you know, he's my, my, my father in that way was very, very profound. And I think it totally changed the way that I view the papacy. And that's to some degree, 
that can, I mean, I talked earlier about the personality of John Paul II, but the experience that you had, it, I think a lot of people have, it's really independent of the man. Like yeah. The, the specific individual. Yeah. You're, uh, you, you can, you can push this division a little too far, but it's possible to, to like your attraction was maybe not so much to Joseph Ratzinger as it was to Benedict XVI in the mm-hmm. sense that it was, yes, the man who is holding right. the office of the Bishop right. of Rome, the Pope. Right. I hadn't read all of his great works. Right. I hadn't, you know, studied his encyclicals or went back and looked at his thoughts from, you know, his cardinal days or any of right. those things. Right. Um, I knew very little about his life or where he came from, but him sitting in that chair in his white garment struck me. Right. It was profound yep. to me. And yeah, and that's again, I think that's that's part of the the beauty of the papacy that 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 apart from lacking any really much awareness of who the man, the individual is, you were still drawn to him because of his role in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And now my experience with. Um, John Paul II, though it wasn't uh, experienced necessarily from from memory or from me encountering him in ways, um, his legacy is one that does impact me now. Right. You know, I, I just recently read um, his Five Great Loves, which is a book that Jason Everett um, wrote. And uh, Weigel, George Weigel, yep. I believe. his. I love his uh, um, encouragement of the book or little, little depiction of the book on the back cover of, of, of Jason Everett's book, because it says um, what sets this book apart is the apparent love that the author has for his subject. Mm. And it's throughout the whole book, you encounter John Paul II through the lens of, of Jason Everett, whom dearly loves John Paul II, and you had an encounter with John Paul II. And so that legacy has lived on. And, and I felt as though I encountered JP too simply in reading that book. You know, some of the stories that were told, some of the, um, it's called his five great loves because Jason Everett actually goes through and, and names some of the most important things that defined John Paul right. II's papacy. Yep. Which I just thought was, you know, it, it was profound. And so though my experience with John Paul II wasn't um, by memory, it wasn't because I saw him in my lifetime. It was, you know, his, his sanctity, his sainthood is yep. now, is now impacting yep. me and my fellow generation. Exactly. And I think if you, I don't know of, I was trying to think if there is a, um, for those who want to learn more about these recent past popes, uh, I don't know if there's been yet. George Weigel has a book, um, uh, on uh, Benedict, but he's Weigel is especially known, and I don't agree with everything he says, but a lot of what he says is what he has a fantastic biography of John Paul II, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Witness to Hope. So it's a big book, but it's a fan- I just recently pulled it off my shelf at home again, just because there are some just incredible stories um, that he relays. He, he tells, and I'll just give, we have a little bit of, is it okay if I share two yeah, of them? Yeah, please. Um, so Weigel gives two stories two things that stick out in particular just in terms of stories or anecdotes. I think we forget that when John Paul II, so we've got Pope Francis from Argentina, uh, Pope Benedict from Germany, Pope John Paul II from Poland. That was the first time in almost 500 years, John Paul II's election was the first time in almost 500 years that we had a Pope who wasn't an Italian. And I don't think we, we're sort of used to it now because it's been 
30 years right. plus since since that happened, almost 40 years. But that years was not the happened. norm for 2,000 no, years. No, 500 years. Oh, excuse me, 500, 500 years. years. Um, so, so we have, you know, the, the, this is the first time he's elected, and there was just something about him immediately, because people like, who? Like, like a lot of people, he wasn't within the church, he was known, but when he was first, like his name was announced, the Italians in the square were like, who? Like they didn't really know who it was. And he comes up, but he spoke because he, he he knew so many languages so well. He spoke to them, and you know the 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 the, um, the cardinals have called the pope from a faraway land, and he just really the crowd warmed him very quickly. But I remember this. Uh, Weigel mentions that um, oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, Andre Frassard was a French journalist who had been an atheist, had converted to Catholicism or reverted. I'm sure he was probably raised Catholic, but become uh, Catholic again uh, during his adult years after having been an atheist for many years. Um, and when he, he, the article that he sent back to the Parisian newspaper that he wrote for, um, he said, this isn't a pope from Poland. This is a pope from Galilee. Hmm. And I, I just, I love rereading that part of my, our, Weigel's biography because just obviously it's been true for many of our popes, but but there was something, and it's Benedict and and definitely um, Francis as well, but for John Paul II, there was something about him where the fact that his love for Christ, his relationship for Christ shone through in a powerful way where a newspaper reporter in the square could recognize the 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 how much Christ was shining through. The other thing, um, World Youth Day, you're leading the pilgrimage to World Youth Day for us, to Krakow, which is John Paul II's, where he was our bishop. Um, that's next summer, and we'll have to talk about that more in a future episode. But the first World Youth, the World Youth Days were founded by John Paul II. I mentioned earlier, 1993, World Youth Day in Denver. So John Paul II flies in to Denver, and then he's helicoptered to the football stadium, Mile High Stadium, where um, where there are tens of thousands of Catholic youth from around, well, especially North America, but around the world are gathered together. Um, and they're chanting, John Paul II, we love you, John Paul II, we love you. And as the helicopter is descending, because of the chanting, it was creating turbulence in the air. And the, 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 the pilot of the helicopter said it reminded him of flying through flak in Vietnam because of just the, the, the volume and the magnitude of these tens of thousands of young people chanting John Paul II, we loved you, was shaking the air. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just, that, that's another story that just, well, forever. Uh, thank you, George yeah. Weigel, for sharing that. Because yeah. Because that's just, to me, the power of... This, again, young people, you've been to World Youth Day yeah. before. I mean, the Catholic Church is not just for, for the dying and the, yeah. the you know the decrepit yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah. the, the Catholic Church is alive yep. um, and always will be because of our popes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and that's actually one of the one of the great loves that Jason Everett points to is John Paul II's love for the youth. And I think there was this reality for John Paul II um, when he first started coming out with some of his encyclos, uh, some of his his uh, writings, particularly, I think, on the theology of the body, um, there was some fear among his, you know, maybe fellow cardinals or whatever, um, that he was being too stern, that he was actually being too strict on some of, some of his teachings right. and the ways that he was laying it out. Um, but I think that that's actually why people were so drawn to him. Right. He, he set a standard of a very high standard um, 
calling people to greatness. Right. You know, his big thing was do not settle for mediocrity. Yes. You are you are made for greatness. You are not called to be comfortable. You are called to be great. You know, there's a there's a quote, something along along those lines from him. But I really think that was one of the things that, um, you know, set him apart, if you will, in the ways that he that he led us as church. Yep. Um, He called us to a great standard. Right. Right. And that can be said, I think, each of each of the holy fathers that the Lord has presented us. That's another thing, too. We think sometimes that we choose, we, we kind of make it all political yep. decision. Yep. And yep. the reality is, in, in experiencing a conclave in Rome, I saw this more and more. There was this tendency for people to think, you know, okay, what kind of pope do they want? Do they want somebody that's going to be strict on this or strict on this, blah, blah, blah. We have no idea. Right. It's right. truly the Holy right. Spirit that chooses. Oh my goodness. But anyways, I think I think the Lord provides us with these different personalities and these different holy fathers that lead and guide us exactly where we need to be led and yep. guided at that time. Yep. And we saw that with Benedict. Benedict gave us truth, you know. Here he gave us the why. I saw a meme recently of um a picture of John Paul II and and he taught what the church believes. John Paul II, Benedict. or excuse me, Benedict the 16th why the church believes this and now francis go out and do it yep go out and live it you yep. know which i thought was very profound yep. and very true yep. and how in this kind of journey that we've been taking in the last however many years um almost 40. holiness yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah 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 so i just think it's profound very beautiful yeah um all of again what we said earlier all of them with the unique gifts that they're given are serving a role for the universal church and that doesn't mean you know you know, we what we believe as Catholics about the Pope. That doesn't mean that that we believe they're sinless, let alone that they're or, or that they're perfect. Mm-hmm. They can make mistakes, mm-hmm. um, and, and and so on and so forth. And and so we, you know, Catholics can can have <laughs> good natured or not good natured disagreements about well, the Pope did this, the Pope did that. But still, I think what you said is is still true that in so many ways they seem to be the Pope that we need now. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I think that was something that that. We, as often said with regard to, to bishops as well, mm-hmm. um, that that, that you're give every bishop is different from his yep. predecessor, yep. and that you're given the the bishop that you need for that time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know what a great example of the Lord's providence. He right. knows exactly. You know, yeah. and then the, there's also the sense of infallibility that comes with uh, the chair of Peter as well. We should do an entire episode on yeah. that sometime. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, it, and again, that's through, by the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. Just it's not about their own unique gifts. It's yeah. by the because of the role they have in the church, the Holy Spirit ensured. Just as he, you know, just as he, the Holy Spirit inspired the authors of Scripture to write without error. Yep. So too, the Holy Spirit is able to act and not inspiring them, but protecting them from committing error in very specific circumstances. But again, that's a topic for another time. Do we have time for a quick plug? Sure. Talking about John Paul II, um, you mentioned it before, but we're actually going to see the home of, of JP2 um, next summer in 2016, Krakow. Um, want to invite you to World Youth Day, any of our listeners um, that might be interested, um, have a particularly those that have a devotion to, her, to him or that want to know him better, um, what a better opportunity to come. Um, first of all, see Pope Francis, see the successor of, of Peter, the successor of John Paul II, but particularly in the hometown, there's going to be a beautiful spirituality, I think, that comes along with that. sfcatholic.org slash WYD, I think, Correct. right, for World Youth Day. Find out more right there. Yeah. And with that, we will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet us, sfdiocese, hashtag ignition, with thoughts, questions, or future episodes. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. 
click on media and then audio files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.